Welcome to episode 210 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This time around we are looking at Season 9, Episode 6, Trust No One. The episode originally aired on January 6th, 2002. It was written by Chris Carter and Frank Spotnitz. And this was the last episode directed by Tony Warmby. Now, the action primarily takes place in the state of Maryland, and the average IMDb user score is 7.7 out of 10. So this starts off with a montage that amounts to revealing how much Scully misses Mulder. In these times, she even reaches out to him in an internet cafe and sees a couple arguing about a baby. As things progress, we find out that Doggett and Reyes have been contacted by someone who claims to have information about the super soldiers that will only be revealed to Mulder. And Scully has been asked to help get Mulder back out so that he could stay out of hiding so they can get this intel from this individual. Scully still doesn't completely trust this. It takes her a long time to get in the trust, and Doggett actually calls her out for it asking how long it's going to take before she trusts him. Now, in an interesting turn of events, she's the one that actually ends up trusting the strangers in this situation, where Doggett is the one saying, I don't buy it, there's there's quite possibly more here. But they do get involved, and she does call Mulder back. He's going to be arriving by train. And they find that the man who promises to give the information, and who has a frightening amount of detailed information about all of them is actually a super soldier himself who's intent on killing Mulder. And they pursue them into a rock quarry, and as he's approaching Scully, he ends up having a reaction to a particular iron ore. Gets sort of magnetically attracted to them and is killed in that quarry. So it ends up with Scully saying, well, I, I hope that you jumped the train and ran into that quarry because you knew what we already knew. Now, while Mulder does appear at a distance, David Duchovny was not involved in the filming here. So there was a body double scene from a distance and there was some reuse of old footage for the earlier montage. So it definitely is a piece of the puzzle and there's some relationship with William and they're saying, yeah, he is a special baby, but they still haven't completely revealed why as they are going through. It's just that hint that he was born as a super soldier. In terms of the guest cast, Terry O'Quinn appears. This is his second episode of The X-Files. He was also in the first film. And in those three episodes, he played three different characters. He'd also worked with uh, 1013 in nine episodes of Harsh Realms. He was actually one of the series regulars. He was in all nine. And he appeared in 41 out of 66 episodes of Millennium as Peter Watts. So he's got a a pretty good history with 1013. And we've discussed his work in the past. This is the last time that he appears in anything X-Files related. This is Allison Smith's only X-Files appearance. She plays Patty, the mother of the other baby who supposedly exhibits some of the same signs that... Baby William is exhibiting. She's got 70 acting credits to her name. Most recently, 
in an episode of the Will and Grace reboot from 2020. She is best known for playing Mallory O'Brien on the West Wing, Jenny Lowell in Kate and Alley, and herself in some Broadway plays. And she has been spending a lot of her time on Broadway, from what I'm finding when she's got the three and four year gaps in her IMDb, it's because she's working on Broadway, where she has been working since age nine. Now, Stephen Flynn plays her husband, who doesn't get a clear name. He even says, the name you'll find on my driver's license is fake. He is best known for his work in Justified, Jag, The Practice, and Grey's Anatomy. This is his only work that I can find for 1013. Now, Catherine Joustin plays Agent Edie Boyle. It's a small role. She is the forensic scientist that Doggett brings some clothing to. But she nails it. It's one of the more entertaining scenes in the episode. She is best known for her work on Desperate Housewives, Wedding Crashers, Hostage, and Bedtime Stories, as far as the IMDb is concerned. I will also remember her as the former babysitter for Monk. But she was on Desperate Housewives right up until 2012. Unfortunately, she passed away in 2012. But the last two of her 120 acting credits are posthumous, so she was working right till the end. Now, Fitzhausen plays the station manager. This is his only work that I could find for 1013. He does have 92 acting credits to his name, some of which are still in post-production or pre-production. He is best known for Get Thee Behind Me, Quantum Leap, Silent Hill Homecoming, and Titus. And finally, Brianne Prather plays the young woman. I believe that's the coffee barista. The MDB doesn't actually have a picture of her, possibly because she's only got four IMDB credits. She started off with a guest spot on ER, then a guest appearance in Hangtime, and then this guest appearance in the X-Files was done in and around her appearances as Hillary Leiter in 13 episodes of The Jersey from 1999 to 2002. So that's it for the guest cast. Now, my opinion of this has changed a little bit. I had some concerns the first time around, especially since we knew David Duchovny wasn't involved. I knew they were going to have to do some kind of bait and switch or duplication because they weren't recasting. Here it was the body double. But knowing what was going on in the production end undermined some of the tension that could have happened in the episode. And we're talking about an episode that aired when Edward Snowden was still 18 years old and hadn't yet been hired by the NSA. So the idea of this level of surveillance unauthorized on American people was a little harder to accept in 2002 than it is today. Now, there are some nice references like the email addresses, you know, Mulder's coming from trustnoone at mail.com. Scully's got Queequeg 02 or 0925, sorry, as her handle, which is reference to Moby Dick, which is a big part of her life, as we knew from season three. That's why she named the dog Queequeg. And the 0925 is because her daughter Piper Maru Anderson was born on September 25th. So there were some nice references there. But the issue I have is that as soon as Terry O'Quinn offers to read Scully's emails to her, that tells me that he's got access to the email conversation 
and he could probably have tracked down Mulder much more directly, because wherever Mulder is hiding, he still has internet access and he's sending and receiving emails. So I found that moment to be a little bit tougher to accept some of the premise that he needed Scully to bring Mulder out. Now, sure, he could have been concerned about code words and making sure the communication did come from Scully. But I would think that he would have had an alternate means. Once you have access to the emails, you can open up the headers that most people don't see, and it'll tell you every server that bounced that email from source to, to the sender. Every IP address for the computers in between is logged in every email. So it would not have been difficult for him to figure out where that email was sent from and focus his search there. Still, if you don't understand email to that level, the episode works better, and Terio Quinn is always welcome. It does seem a little awkward when they're introducing the kryptonite to see how strong that reaction is. But we will see how things develop over the course of Season 9. That's about all we have to say about Trust No One. Join us again in two weeks' time when we discuss John Doe. Thank you for listening.